Information you can trust, stories you can relate to, and tips and tactics you can apply on your next adventure. Hunting, fishing, camping, and everything in between. This is the Battle Mountain Podcast. All right, everyone. Thank you and welcome to another Battle Mountain Podcast. Uh, as Sam pointed out, is formerly known as Archery Manix Podcast. Uh, yes, I did delete all my episodes and start over for various reasons. And anyways, <laughs> I, I am excited to have Sam Davis on the podcast and chat with him about locating and finding deer on heavily hunted public land. Sam, thanks so much for joining the show. Hey, man. Thanks a lot for having me. This is going to be a good time. I'm excited to talk about it. <laughs> oh, dude. Of course it'll be a good time. You're on the show. <laughs> so, so, Sam, why don't you uh, – we'll just start the show off with you kind of letting the audience know just a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, where you're from, how you've been hunting, how long, uh, maybe some of your favorite animals to hunt, and we'll just go from there. All right. Um, I've born and raised in northern Wyoming. Um, I've grew up, my dad was a guide. He was a fireman, but my dad guided hunters and did all that stuff. And he was a big hunter himself. So I grew up right from the word go. I was hunting with my old man. Um, we did a lot of horseback hunting for elk and all that stuff. And then he also guided, like I said, he was a guide and outfitter. So I spent a lot of falls going from getting home on Friday nights from football games and right out on Friday nights and early Saturday mornings to guide with my dad on Saturdays and Sundays. That was my life. Um, I started shooting a bow kind of like everybody did, I guess. It's in the outdoors. If you were a kid, you had a bow, you had a BB gun. I had a bow and a BB gun. I wore out numerous BB guns and I shot a bow into everything I could. I started hunting with my bow when I was 15 and i'm 36 now and uh i've shot i think one elk in that time period with a rifle and everything else has been with a bow so pretty much since the age of 15 i've hunted strictly with a bow and nothing else and i've been very fortunate to i've hunted the state of wyoming kansas new mexico arizona montana and i've i've harvested a few animals so yeah hunting is is it's truly my passion bow hunting is it's everything that I, that's my family first and then it's bow hunting. My wife gets sick of hearing about all the maps I'm looking at and this I'm looking at and what I'm putting in for. And, <laughs> but I, I really, I really don't know any different. I mean, that's just, that's what I've done since I've been a kid. And, um, yeah, I've been lucky to harvest some, drew some really good tags when I, you know, being a hunter in Wyoming, having a boner preference point system like we do. My parents started applying for me when I was 12 years old, so I was lucky enough that I've harvested a moose now, and I had enough points I harvested a bighorn sheep. So I've been lucky to draw some really neat tags at a young age just because of my parents honestly putting me in at such a young age. I had the points, and so, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a ride. Bow hunting has taken me some of the most amazing places. I've seen some of the coolest things. I froze my ass off <laughs> in a lot of places, and uh I've been in some of the hottest conditions and pushed my body to the limits, but it's all been through bow hunting. And yeah, it's, it's something that absolutely drives me. So that's kind of who I am. I work on a ranch for a living. That's my day job. And uh, I have a little three-year-old and a wife that keep me, uh, keep me on my toes. I got two women that lead me around everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what, as far as the ranch goes, are you, do you just do day-to-day stuff? Are you guiding for yeah. them? Like, what do you do for the ranch? Yeah, it's just your normal. It's your typical. We got cows and we got there's elk and deer on it, and I guide hunters in the fall. We guide a few hunters on the fall on it, 
Um, it's owned by a family and it's kind of their, um, kind of their getaway place. So it's kind of a resort ranch to them. And I've worked there for going on 18, 19 years and, uh, they've been a good family. They've treated me very well. And we just kind of take care of the place, take care of their animals and take care of them when they're here. So it's, cool, it's a really man. cool place and great people to work for. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. Obviously, as you know, anytime you can build roots with someone, um, yeah, I mean, just like a really good friend, right? Yes. You build, you build the roots and, and everything just kind of blossoms from there. So that's super cool, man. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. It's like I've grown up with the family. I've shit 18 years working for them. I've, they've seen me evolve from a college kid to now a parent and everything. Fun. Back when so you were as tall as me. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, well, that's wicked cool. So I thought, you know, I know that you hunt several different states a year. Um, Obviously, I know that bow hunting is a big passion, but you're not allergic to the old boomstick, which is cool too. Um, And I just, I thought it would be pretty wicked to just kind of talk about, you know, the 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 preparation and everything that goes into hunting deer on heavily hunted public lands you know because as you know there as much whatever the statistics want to say i don't i, I don't know that i even want to believe it honestly because every time i go out there there's more people they say uh-huh. there's less but it seems like there's as much or more so <laughs> Yeah, you're right. You're right. I try, I believe the same thing. It, it is. And it's for me, I, I really started noticing obviously like 2017 is when I started noticing a steady incline and then 18, 19, I was seeing tents in places where I had never seen tents before. And so, yeah, I would definitely agree that it's, it's, a, it's been a damn sure been an incline of uh, population of hunters has definitely grown. Yeah. It's just, it's absolutely nuts. Like, and, and it's, so with that, I mean, the amount of research preparation and everything else that goes into it is. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's like, what do you do? Where do you start? I mean, are you, are you starting with boots on the ground and putting out trail cameras? Are you starting with sitting back and looking over maps? Like we've kind of been discussing before the podcast started recording, like where do you start when it comes to, Hey, I got this tag. I'm going to go hunt some public land. Yay. (laughs) Well, for me, for me, where I start, I guess the way that I look at it, where I start is I look at, at like um, familiarity familiarity with with terrain. So like if I know, first of all, like country that I'm, I I try to get out. Of, I'll start. I'm gonna start from ground zero. So I'll tell you like what I do and then what I also like put my goals are towards. Meaning what I do and what I've done a lot is I've grown up hunting country that's like badlands, broken country, sagebrush, uh, ponderosas, juniper. Um, cedar break kind of country right not a lot of your 10,000 11,000 foot peaks yes i've killed some bucks a couple bucks in the high country but i've predominantly stayed in some of the rougher badlands country well i feel you man i haven't killed shit in the high country okay okay so like with that so what i do is i look at i know where i'm gonna find deer in that country and so once i do that then it for me 
you know, Wyoming's a big state or going to these other states. You, you, I, I can't always get down and scout, like get boots on the ground. So I, I, for me, as I look for similarities and like, okay, I saw deer in this habitat. I need to see what that looks like on Google Earth. I bring it back. Then I start comparing. Okay, I found public land here. So I guess my first thing that I really start, if I can't do boots on the ground or if I haven't driven by it at some point in my life, my first thing is going to be like my maps. And when I get on those maps, I just look at obviously water, but mule deer and water. I don't, I don't necessarily, when I went to Arizona, that Arizona was a different beast. I got to treat it as a different beast. Arizona, New Mexico, I did find deer by water. Like that was, that went hand in hand. Right. But then when, when I get into like Wyoming, when we're talking Wyoming, Montana, stuff like that. I don't necessarily have to find water. It seems like there's water, um, enough water that those deer are getting by either with the dew off the grass in the morning and they can make it till the next day or they're traveling a couple miles and getting to that, those water sources to where that I'm not, I'm not like finding a water tank and then going from there. Like you would say in Arizona, like you find a windmill in Arizona with a, or a solar well in Arizona, you're going to kind of hone in on that. But as far as it is, I'm, so what I'm going to do is, I'm going to go with country that I'm familiar with and country I'm familiar with where I know there's what's got big high sagebrush ridges where it's got an op where, where a deer can get up, get bedded, have good wind in their face and they can see a long ways. All right. So now I take that, I look at a map and I go, where is that in this? You know, so then I start researching, okay, where else can I find that? And that's kind of how I start. I just start matching up, putting the puzzle pieces together of similarities in country where I know what holds deer. And so that's, that's kind of the start and that's all mapping. That's January, February, March, as we were just talking before the podcast, that's what I was doing is I'm always on maps. I'm always tinkering on my maps and Google earth is probably the best thing for me. I'm not, you hear those guys that are just, I mean, they can do all those overlays and all that stuff. I'm not that techie. I'm not that into, I do Google earth and on X and it gives me a damn good idea. Right what I've got doing. I don't know how to run Gaia and all that stuff. I've, I've never, I've never even tried messing with any of it, but I guess that's where that, that is my starting place. And it's, it's hard to speak for a guy coming from say Pennsylvania out here. Cause what does he know to look at? I guess the biggest thing is that is think about mule deer, whether you're talking 10,000 foot, 13,000 foot mule deer in Colorado, or you're talking about mule deer in sagebrush, you know, at 4,000 feet, Mule deer like having a bandage. They like being able to see or they, they like being able to get away. So whether it be in a big avalanche chute where they can dive down into a patch of timber, but they started up high where they can see below them. Usually they got the wind working in their favor. I always am looking for that. Sagebrush country, there's a big plateau or a big rim that sits up a big above a sagebrush basin. They're going to be up towards the upper end of those cuts where they have the wind in their favor coming in their face. And they can see down below them and it's one hop, one jump away up over the top of the ridge or up over the top of the this, this finger and they're, they're out of there. They've escaped. So I think that's what I'm always looking at. I'm looking for rough, breaky country and something that has some elevation gain to it. So it has – they'll feed on the big slopes, on the north-facing slopes and on the big plateaus on the flats. That's where the deer will feed. They have plenty of there. So I guess – that's that's what I'm looking for. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Is that as far as a starting a starting block of what I what I start with when I do start researching? Yep, absolutely. Because you know, I think I think there's obviously there's a lot of ways to go about it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's so it's so uh, from Colorado, thirteen thousand feet to 
eastern plains of Montana is it's a wide variation of habitat, I guess. Is so trying to cover it all is is tough for me just to to squish into five minutes. You know what I mean? Yep. No, I get it completely. And and but what you did cover is you spoke of what a deer a deer generally needs. And yeah. a deer generally needs good food source. Water is not as high on the priority list as people think. And they need a way to get the hell out of there. Yeah. And whether that be at 11, 12, 14,000 feet, it doesn't really matter. Or whether that be in five foot sagebrush, <clears throat> it doesn't matter. They need good feed. And more importantly, even than water is a way to get out of there barring places that are super hot like Arizona, New Mexico. Um, because as you've, as you found hunting Arizona, um, and I found it, say I didn't hunt, I filmed, um, but same idea, right? I was there. Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And they don't get the moisture typically that we get in Wyoming, Montana, Utah, Colorado, whatever else. So uh-huh. their their food sources aren't as rich in nutrients, A, and B, they don't have as much water in their food sources. So they need water from a different source. Uh-huh. So you're calling that out perfectly. And 100%, that is something I have also noticed when it comes to let's go hunt deer out in the desert of Wyoming is where the hell's the water? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? You're like, man. Yeah, you're, I, well, you're totally be, right. Where are they going to drink? <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I've, 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 you asked about trail cameras. I'm not a big trail camera. I've put trail cameras on bear baits, but yes, I have. When I have found water out in that country, I have put a trail camera on water, and it's crazy because you'll get a picture of a deer, and I'm not saying that that's his only water. It's the only water source I can find in that, say, that chunk of public land where I'm hunting. And I might get a picture of a deer two days in a row, and then he might not come back for a day or two days, and then I'll get another picture of him. I mean, very sporadic. It's not like – and I got bull elk coming to the same water, and they're almost every single day at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They're hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. Those mule deer are – the timing is so off. Sometimes it's daylight when they're coming in. Sometimes it's daylight as meaning like right as the sun's coming up, like 5 o'clock. You know, it's in August, five o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it's midnight. Sometimes it's three o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, like the mule deer in water, I haven't found anything. Like there's nothing that is patternable, I guess, for what I've, where I've hunted. I haven't found patternable mule deer on water. It's just, they're very sporadic. So you're totally right. It's, it's like, yeah, you might not even find water, but you damn sure will find deer. <laughs> yeah. It's dude. It's like a, it's like a whole different world. Um, in, in a place where they need water every day. Um, it's just, it, it, so for instance, when I was there and I was filming the guy Mm goes, the guide, he goes, yeah, well, we got this buck coming in every second or third day. And I'm like, Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good for you. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah. And and then I learned um, that it's that it's just it's just a different game. It's more like hunting a food source, you know, where you're like, hey, yeah, they're 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 going to come to this source. Um, so when you're hunting, uh, when you're hunting your lower stuff, because I. I I'm like you. I typically hunt the lower stuff too. So, uh-huh. um, 
And you've started, you did your research, you know, you yes. found a couple, a couple locations that, that look like you have hunted, you know, that look like terrain you've hunted before. Um, what's next? You know, you go and you get boots on the ground, you scout before season a bunch, or are you just like, Hey, this is my one, two, three spot. And I'm just going to go give it hell opening day. And if it's not worth a shit, I'll go to number two. Like what's, what's kind of happens from there. <laughs> so you're totally right. So I guess, but look at it as two ways. I guess if you're, if you're, if your audience is a someone that's, I, I, I try to refer, I guess on a podcast is if someone that had never been here, but they're listening to this thinking, all right, this is a Wyoming podcast about mule deer. First of all, luckily I live here. So I would say 60 to 70% of the time, 60, 70% of the time, I'm going to get boots on the ground. I'm going to at least get in there at least one morning in August. I'm going to put some miles on and I am going to go cover some country and see what I see for numbers and cover the country. And now and, uh, I don't mean to, I don't mean to stop you and interject or screw this. All no, up, no, you're but good. When you're good. you do that, I would assume you're not overly worried about bumping other deer. No, it depends, especially if it's early August. I mean, you got to think about any of the public land around Wyoming. There's cowboys pushing cows through that stuff all summer long. There's hikers. There's all sorts of people bumping deer. So I'm just covering country. I, I won't necessarily skyline myself, but I will cover ridges, and I don't care which way the wind's blowing. In that lower country, I move and I glass. I don't really – I'm not intentionally bumping them, but I'm not being as stealthy as I am in September, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect I'm sense. Not, yeah, I mean, I cover country. That's what I do. And that right back to that, the time that I scout, that takes away from my family usually. And I only got a, a finite amount of time that you can take away from a wife and a three-year-old. So, and I try to use all of that in September. September, I'm I'm hunting. Yep. So it might just be a morning. I might leave the house at two or three in the morning and drive, bust my ass to get there. I only might get two or three hours of hiking, and then I get back. So I got the whole afternoon with the family. So. My, my scouting trips are, are – they are absolute bomber missions. Like I'm going to a place. I'm going to cover as many miles as I can. If I bump some deer, I bump some deer. I'm looking for tracks at water tanks. If I do find a water hole, I am looking for tracks. I'll run north-facing ridges high up looking for beds, and that's kind of how I go about it. I start doing that, though, in like March – like right now, March and April when I start shed hunting. I start hitting spots like that. I'm not – I used to be a, just a diehard shed hunter. Now it's more of – scouting missions it's more am i in there yeah it has a purpose going in there and finding sheds if i find a shed it's a bonus cool but it's more of a scouting mission now to to check out the country if i and then with that it's i i am very uh, mobile i mean my truck is set up to where i have coolers in the back with ice in them and I can truck camp, I can backpack camp, I have everything in my truck so that I can either... Are those coolers I, Yetis? No, I don't have a Yeti. <laughs> well, what cooler do you have? <laughs> I just got some big old Coleman like 200s and oh, I put... Well, perfect. This this podcast is not sponsored by Col- Coleman, but it could be. <laughs> <laughs> there you go there you go i got some big old coleman's and uh i run i just keep all my milk jugs at the end of summer and i freeze them so i usually have about i don't know eight or ten frozen gallon milk jugs in each cooler and i that's my that's set up for me because usually i have plans on killing an elk too and uh but i stay very mobile and with that you asked about a one two three i have i mean yeah plan a plan b c d e i mean five or six different spots that 
if this one sucks or I don't find anything here, if I just, I need to move, I am set up to move. If I get into a place and I'm like, I know usually going into a place because I've scouted it with maps knowing like, oh, it's four miles until it looks like I start getting into deery country or something that looks with some potential. So that's where I'll take, I have a little, um, I have a little sky air. I don't even know what you'd call it. It's a sky. It's like a bivy, but it's it's not. It's like a single man tent. It's a good old stone glacier sky yeah. air. U L T. I got one. There too. you go. <laughs> All right, that's what I roll. And <laughs> I roll with the sky air, and I throw that in my pack, and I throw my sleeping bag, and then I got one night's worth of food, and that's how I get in those places. Are those four, you know, four or five miles? If I know I'm gonna be pushing that far in that sagebrush country, the thing is, is I never know about water when I get in there. So. Right. It's not like going to the mountains where you can plan on three days because you might not have enough water. So I pack enough water to get at least a day and a half, two days. Hope to God I find water. <laughs> and then I usually have some tuna packets and I go really light on the food on those bomber missions. So, man, it's that's it, it, it sounds kind of uh, that that's it's as refined as I've gotten in that. And it, it works well for me. I mean, um, it works really well for me. Just staying mobile, having multiple plans, and um, just getting after it. And and uh, I don't know. And then in the low country, you can glass a lot during the day too because it's so open. I I would tell people that this 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 sounds funny, but I could go someplace. I would have confidence going someplace at ten o'clock in the morning and going hunting. You ask about hunting around pressure, and you ask about that stuff. This is how this whole podcast started. So say I get into one of these spots and I didn't get in there in daylight. It took me a little further, longer to get into the actual glassing knob that I want to get to. Uh-huh. I am totally confident that 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, give me, give me 10, 11. That'd be the prime time I'd like to be there if I had, if I didn't get there in daylight. Because I'm there's a chance I'm going to catch those. I'm going to pick a good ridge. It's a north facing slope. And I'm going to be all eyes glass on that. Or I'm going to be looking at not necessarily a ridge because out in Badlands country, you don't necessarily have a ridge, but you have multiple cuts. You have a big ridge that has multiple cuts on it. I want to be looking at those cuts at 11 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. But I want to be sitting there riking glass from about 10 in the morning till about 1 because that's when you'll start seeing all of a sudden those shiny objects will just show up in one of those cuts and it's the back. It's the belly. It's the head of a deer that has stood up out of his bed. And he's going to move six feet over, and he's going to get back in his afternoon bed. But that time of day, that time of morning, if you don't catch them, you know, at daylight when they're up feeding, that that's the time to catch them. If you catch those deer, then that's I don't know, like the deer I killed last year, for instance. I'd actually put a stock on a buck in the morning, and I stocked on a buck on his in his morning bed. He had been up. I caught him in his morning bed. And it was about nine o'clock in the morning and the wind was good. The sun was good. The where he was laying, I knew it, he had hours before he was going to get up and switch beds. I snuck in on him. Long story short, I had to shoot. <laughs> it was, it was a mind. It was a, I don't even know how to, it was where I had to, I had to play the arc of the arrow. Long and, story uh, short, it's never yeah. good when that's how the story starts. <laughs> right? Right? Long story short is, uh, I put my 30 pin on him and I really needed to put my 30 pin on the rock in front of me just to know that the arc of that arrow was going to clear that rock. 
and I didn't, and I shot over him. My mind wouldn't let me settle that pin lower than it needed to be. Ah, uh, anyways, dude, that's the, the sketchy. Curve of the hill got, that's sketchy. Yeah, that's fair. Yes. that's sketchy. So, so, anyways, I miss him, and I turn around to go back to put my socks and stuff on. By now, it's eleven thirty. And I happen to look up this big canyon, big open canyon. And with my naked eye, I catch something shining. And it's a buck deer walking over the hill from a south-facing slope or like a like a westerly-facing slope coming over to a north-facing slope, changing beds because the sun had started to beat on him. And that's the buck I ended up killing because I watched him set up for his afternoon bed. So that was a plan B spot. I didn't get in there at daylight. Um I got in there a little bit later. It, the reason I got in that far late because I'd last my way in. And by the time I actually got to where the deer were, it was, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning. I sat on that buck. And I actually caught that buck changing his beds and going to a second bed when I shot him. So plan having having multiple plans is, I would say, the biggest thing. And being mobile. Be set up to hunt truck camp be set up to bivouac in if you have to for a night or two nights um and be set up to pack a shitload of water like i carry sometimes i'm carrying two gallons of water with me going into places yeah and that's uh, all my weight is water going into those places right and yeah so i don't know if i'm really getting to the public part of it yet <sighs> as far as dealing, dealing with pressure but I, I i will damn sure i dive into that too but i guess as far as it goes <laughs> dude you're doing the... great you don't have to worry about what you're you're giving lots of good information just just roll with it <laughs> i guess what i'm getting at is there's this there's the start there's kind of how i go about all right this is where i want a mule deer hunt this is what i'm looking for and how am I going to approach it? Um, that's kind of that's the start of all of that. Now I haven't thrown in the part when you pull up to where you're going to park and there's four other trucks there, or well, when you pull up to that spot where you're going to park. Let's fucking go there, <laughs> dude. I hunted a spot here outside Cheyenne. And I'm sure if anybody from Cheyenne listened to this podcast, um, they will probably know because there's not very much public out here. As you uh-huh. might know, and I'm not kidding, dude. I got there at 1:30 a.m. Man, and by 4:30 a.m., I woke up and I looked out the side, both windows of the truck, and there was three vehicles coming from one way and two coming from the other. That's ridiculous, dude. It's, it's nuts, man. So Whew. why don't we why don't we go ahead and go with that? So then uh, what, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> so I can say this. Um, the biggest thing for me, and I don't want to give away every secret. The biggest thing for me is, is I take my vacation days and I'm very lucky where I can roll Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. I hunt a lot of Monday, Tuesday, go out Sunday nights and I hunt Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I, I, I try to knock away the weekend pressure. Some guys, that's just not feasible. Most guys, right, right. I would say most guys are probably weekend warriors. So when it comes to a spot like where I, where I am going to encounter people, where I'm going to encounter this or that, there's not a lot of spots in the Badland country that you really can't out-hike people. Right. But I try to tell would, people that. Yeah, you really can't out-hike <sighs> anybody in the Badlands country because I know there's guys that are bigger, badder than me and – I can hike all of that. You know, I can put big loops on. There's some stuff that, yeah, you can't. The the thing that I've ever ran into is water. Like I started to say earlier, 
Yeah. So that's where I, that's where I've changed my tactics. So there's places where I go, where I start packing water and in July and I've got places where I've stashed water. Um, and that helps me get into places where I know I can just outlast people. Not that they are not going to be able to pack water and also, but after day two or being able to make those bomber trips in there for a day, day and a half, I, a lot of the people start to weed out. A lot of the times I don't see the same guy in there twice. Um, gotcha. so I find spots that are really rough. I find spots where you can't pick ridge lines to get into. Like if you look at BLM land and you're like, man, I can just walk this ridge line. It'll take me all the way here. I usually cancel that one out unless it's like six, seven miles in there. Then you That's are going to cancel a few guys out. Yeah. So I like to look at BLM ground where there's a lot of cuts where uh-huh. you have to drop 300 feet, back up 300 feet, down 400 feet, up 400 feet. And once you get through about four of those, then like I just said, you can't out hike everybody, but you're not going to see the pressure and you're probably not going to see that same guy in there twice. So if you have the guts to get in there a couple times, it takes you a couple weekends to get in there. You've, you've packed water in there. And so, you know, you can outlast them. Like that's where you start separating, putting, putting the advantage into your favor, I guess. And that's really worked for me is hunting in the middle of the week and then transferring into spots like that, where I'm cutting through drainages instead of finding public lands where you can run ridge lines. Right. Um, so that's worked good for me from getting away from people. As far as hunting with people, I'd like to use the pressure, man. If I see people, I try to stay out of their way. I mean, I'm not a guy to, uh, that's to back nice down. <laughs> yeah, so I was just going to say, I'm not a guy to back down, but I, uh, I'm i not a guy either. That I'm going to sit here and say, like, if I have a point, place where I'm going, like, if I'm going to that ridge, I'm going to that ridge. And there's, I'll end up running. I bet you could ask my buddy Zach DeWitt. He's told me he's been blacking out a couple times for me trying to beat people to places in the dark. So I don't know, man. That's that's my thing. Oh, so what I was going to say there is when I use the pressure – when I do see people and I've already hiked in there and I see headlamps across a ridge or in a canyon, how are these deer going to escape and what are these deer going to do? And when you hunt a lot of this badlands country, like I, like I said, I can't speak for the high country because the times I've hunted the high country, I haven't ran into very many people. Um, I've been lucky and I've picked some basins where I've had a couple guys hike through, but I never had them stop and hunt where I was hunting. So I can't say that, but use the pressure to my favor as in getting to maybe the backside of the ridge where those guys are sitting or the backside of the ridge where the canyon they're looking into because whatever they spook is going to go to the backside of that ridge and get away from them, get into those cuts and bed down. Gotcha. So, is that, is that kind of, is that, is that illustrated enough? Yeah, or man, for sure. Like that, that's, ramble on? No, you did great. Cause that, that's honestly, I, I don't drink enough water. Uh, I, I don't. And I don't say that as like a, ooh, look at me kind of thing. I just, yeah, it's kind of an unhealthy thing. Um, like I've made three liters last three days. <laughs> Dude, you're an animal. I couldn't do that. It, no, it, it's it, not. It, like, like I say, it's not <laughs> a, it's not a, ooh, look at me thing. It's kind of like a, see how dumb I can be. <laughs> it, like seriously. Um, but I do the same thing. I, I look, where can I go where uh, where water is an issue for people? Not necessarily for animals because they'll figure it out. 
Like yeah, people. They're, they're yeah. there for a reason, right? But if yep. I can get somewhere where I see lots of animals, but there's no water that I can find, great, because nobody else is going to be there either. Um, yep. And then another thing that that I look at is when it comes time to go super deep in the Badlands, that's not really a thing, much like you said. Yeah, you really can't do it. No, you can't. But what you can do is you can park on the highway, you can look at one ridge, and I promise you there's not many people hunting the hole on the other side of that ridge. Yeah, you're exactly right. Which is – I don't even like to say that. <laughs> Dude, I don't even like to say that because, <laughs> man, the amount, of, the amount of stuff that I have seen and killed literally on the ridge line off the highway is nuts. Yep. And, yeah. dude, it's one of those things, right? Because there, there's so there's so there's two kinds of hunters that you can literally see in most categories. There's the I'm gonna go as far back in as I can go, and I'm gonna make this super hardcore, which is awesome. Yep. And then yep. there's the I'm gonna drive every road I can drive, and that's what I'm gonna do, which is awesome. I don't care how you hunt, as long as you're following the rules. I don't care. Yep. But I promise you. That ground that is three quarters of a mile off the road that you can't glass from the road, dude. <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah, it's it is it is. Well, that's the spot. And I'm gonna delete I'm, this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Colorado, um, <laughs> but dude, you it's, know though, uh, I think it goes. I think it goes for anywhere. Just, oh, of course just it from does. what I have learned, even in the spots where it's arid climates like Arizona and, and New Mexico, it, it goes for anywhere. Like anywhere you go, there's that there's that three quarters of a mile spot that's just wicked. Now I have hiked in those three quarters of a mile spot and found nothing. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're totally you're totally right. And sometimes it's the small pockets, you know, there's a small pocket and I really like, um, I like that, that border country, you know, between yeah. right next to the private, you hunt that, those, those lines. I don't think that's a secret. I don't think it's a secret to hunt those lines that, that look at it ahead of a draw that feeds into private. Look at a draw that starts or a Canyon, the head of it's in public. It might only be, you know, 600, 800 yards of it is in public and the rest of it's out in private. Look at that. Cause that's a hole that's, you know, all public on one side, but no one looks into that hole because it's all private on the other side of that hill. So look for those those spots like that where you hike in there and you only got a little corner, but man, all it takes is a deer bed three foot by two foot. And I mean, <laughs> it doesn't take much for a buck deer to lay in and no. you just got to get, get in there and find them. The hardest thing there is, which I've dealt with a lot, and I'm sure you have too, is I have um, a buck I killed two years ago Man, the loop I had to make on him, in, in a perfect world, it would have been all been public land. But where he was bedded, and for me to make a loop the easy way, and it would have worked, the wind, I, and I mean, I ended up killing him going the way I did. But I think the other way, it damn sure was a lot shorter hike and stuff. Right. But it, <laughs> I had to go, it would have to cut through private, and I couldn't. So to play by right. the rules, holy shit, I had to drop, I mean, a ton and cover a bunch of country. Took my eye, I hate taking my eyes off of him. I didn't have a spot. Dude, there's something myself. about that, and we could probably do literally a whole podcast on that. Yeah, 
And I had to take my eyes off him for over 40 minutes. You know, I, I, I never saw him actually for three and a half hours from the last time I saw him to when I shot him. But at least I could see where he was bedded. I could see if he would have escaped. But it, I lost sight of that for like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. And that's a helpless feeling. But I mean, every, <laughs> every guy goes through it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a, a very helpless feeling. Um, dude, I can tell you right now, I agree with you completely. When you, when you lose sight of a deer, it's just like, hmm, well, you know, I just hope that he is there when he's not there. But what I do, and and I don't know if, if you can relate to this, you probably can, but what I do, when I get out of sight of that deer, in my mind, I just keep telling me, if I can't see him, he can't see me. Yeah, and, and hustle. And, and hustle. I just, I move <laughs> much faster, like you're yeah. saying, right? But. If I'm not telling myself something along those lines that's positive, I'm like, where is he? Is he still there? Uh-huh. Where'd he go? Did he hear me? Did he, you know, and it just eats yeah. you alive. But if, if I get to where I can just move, I continually tell me, tell myself things like, you know, if, if he can't see, if I can't see him, he can't see me move fast. Um, once I get to where I think he can see me, I say things like slow is or shit. I just forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Slow, uh, slow is smooth. Smooth is fast. Okay. Okay. You know, yeah, no, as I'm crawling in it. close. Right. Yes. But if yes. I'm not telling myself stuff like that, dude, I, I'll move too fast. I'll screw it all up. Oh yeah, man. Well, I just think about when I was younger, all the stocks that I blew when I was a kid, they're like, you know, I can't even say as a kid, even you just, you get, you get caught up in the moment and it's like, you've made it that far. And it's like, I got to get this done. I got to get this shot off. It's here. It's now. Right. And you push, you push it when really I've heard Brian Barney say, it. you know, he's just that last 10 yards or he says something to the effect of like those last 10 yards, those last 10 steps are the most important. And it's like, you know, you, you've, you've stocked, you know, say 700 yards or a thousand yards and made this huge thing, put all this time in it. And then you get to that last 10 steps and all of a sudden you're looking down and trying to click your release onto your D loop as you're taking steps and you're stepping on stuff. And <laughs> it's like, you need to chill out. You need to figure out how you're going to draw back. You need to think about all that stuff when it comes down to those clutch moments. But when it comes to, yeah, you go out of sight of the deer you go out of sight of that deer, you lose sight of that deer, you lose sight of where it's bedded and you get there. Um, like guys say, they're like, just assume it's in the last place you saw it. Like until you know, it's not there, assume it's there because you, you just have to, just like you're saying, you have to keep that positive mindset of if it can't see me, then I, or I can't see it, then it can't see me. So you have to just assume this in this last spot that you saw it and pick that point that you want to get to. And I used to be a rock thrower, you know, get there. Cause a lot of these mule deer, they're still better. <laughs> yes. Down. You throw the rock and the deer stands up or he doesn't do anything. You hit him in the head. I've literally had mule deer just like bounce their head. They just, they don't even really look around. It's just like, they're used to stuff hitting them in the head. I don't know. And, but, uh, I did a lot of stuff. Like I practice a lot. Um, I work out in the sagebrush country, build a lot of fence and whatever. I sneak up on a lot of mule deer and in the summertime. And so I've thrown the rocks at him. I've done all sorts of stuff. I've got as close to him as I can. And if you ever look on my Instagram, I got numerous videos on there. I mean, where I'm sneaking within three and four feet of them. And, uh, so I mess around with them a lot. And I think, 
when I got a bow in my hand, you know, it's a lot different than when it's June and you're sneaking up on a big meal, dude. You're, uh, you're, uh, I guess my confidence is a lot lower, I guess. I don't know. But anyways, um, I've learned to just chill out. If you think you got the wind and the wind's going to hold for you, just sit and wait, just sit and wait. And that buck is going to stand. And I mean, there's sometimes where I've sat probably the longest I've ever sat. I just got pictures on my iPhone. I can tell you because I took a picture and it timestamps your picture. And then two and a half hours later, I'm still taking pictures of this damn bed and I can't see <laughs> antlers or anything. I'm just hoping. And sure enough, <laughs> the son of a bitch stood up and I was able to get a shot at the buck. But I mean, two and a half hours is probably the longest I've ever sat. And it's just being patient and just assuming that he is in the last place you saw him until you know, he's not there. And it's worked out for me, but that's a, that's a hard one because you feel those drafts where there's no wind at all. You know, September 4th, it's 102 degrees in 2019. It was, and I'm sitting there and that breeze was touching my face, touching my face. And then I would swear it would touch the back of my neck. And I'm only like 18 yards from this bush that I'd last seen this deer in, but I can't see cause it's such a steep cut that he's laying in. And sure enough, two and a half hours later, all of a sudden I see a tip of an antler and he's standing up. I mean, I was like, holy cow, he's right there. But, um, so yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's, uh, from the, from the finding them to the, from the pressure when you, uh, see a bunch of pickups show up to when you get in there to a place that you have scouted. Now you're trying to get away from the headlamps to finding that hole. That's just a tiny pocket where everybody's overlooked or doesn't want to hike into it to when you find that buck to making that approach and having to lose sight of them to swinging around behind them and hoping that they're still there to stand up. Man, there's a lot of stuff that's got to go right in bow hunting mule deer. <laughs> Dude, you couldn't have said that any better. Like it just, there is so much stuff and yeah. on top of it, you know, we get to hunt mule deer for what? Two, two one to two months a year. Yeah, roughly, yeah. right? I, I mean, you got to remember, right? They're they're being hunted twelve months a year. Yeah. So yeah, they're switched on. Yeah. So it, it deer, it and not just mule deer, mule deer, whitetail, elk. It doesn't matter. All of them are a prey species, <laughs> right? So here we are going in. We're like, ah, yeah, we got this. We're the ultimate predator <laughs> yeah okay for sure yeah stick a recurve in somebody's hand and we'll see how ultimate predator we are <laughs> yeah uh, but it just man like you say so much stuff has to go right for everything else to go right it totally does and you get to those spots where i watch a lot of hunting videos i've grown up watching hunting videos i grew up watching the outdoor channel just like you and um you don't see back in those days, especially you didn't see a lot of Western hunting, but then as Western hunting's got popular and now YouTube has taken over, I always watched people draw and I watched when they drew, I watched how they drew. I watched all of that stuff growing up. And like, you see all sorts of tactics. You see the people that stand up completely revealing themselves. Then they come to full draw on a bedded buck. You see the people that crouch down, draw back, stand up trying to find the buck not looking through their peep sight then trying to find their anchor and shooting there's so many little things like that that i think people you don't practice that you don't practice that on the range you don't practice that in your stock you don't that that whole like um i think that kind of comes down to just like a killer instinct i think it takes a lot of damn mistakes 
And sometimes I think that's where a little bit of luck comes involved is when the buck does stand up, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to, are you going to draw back and be fully revealed, you know, from your hips up, you know, or are you going to draw back down low and then slowly show yourself? I mean, that's something we can talk all these tactics on finding deer, where they're at, where they bed, how to get away from people. But when it comes down to the, the, like the nuts and bolts of it, it's like, what's going to happen when it's, it's kill time. And that's a, that's, that's something that you, well, you can watch a ton of YouTube videos and stuff, but well, until so you're hard. sitting there like, Oh man, you know, until you're sitting there editing. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you film, you film a lot of hunts. So you, Dude, you do the, the amount of recreates that are done on an average hunt dude <laughs> it would freaking blow your mind <laughs> yeah it probably would it probably would <laughs> so it's really hard like i i agree with you though uh, like learning from videos and everything else is great i i think that's a huge thing um uh at the same point though if it looks like someone did something absolutely absurd they probably did like mm-hmm. due to editing and things like that you know Honestly, they probably it was probably that absurd. <laughs> well, I guess I guess if so, if you're going to watch a YouTube video, then the bucks that all get away. Like, yeah, every watch time Sam's. That, His is all real. You well, know, no, I was, <laughs> was going to say watch all the bucks that get away. If you're you can see what I the guy did. I have lots of bucks that get the, away. Watch mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why the why did that buck spook? What did that guy do to yeah, yeah. to not kill that deer? Like that's that's a thing that I guess. You could watch because that's unedited. I mean, obviously yep. they didn't get the buck, so it's like, well, damn it. Well, he shouldn't have done this, or he shouldn't have, shouldn't have been looking back at his camera and asking if he's got him. And all of a sudden, he yep, turns yep. around the buck standing looking at him. That's perfect. But um, yeah. So I mean, there's there's so many things that go into all of it. I know that's kind of bouncing around the whole. No, we did good. Just of your question, but I think um, when you look at all of it as a whole, getting away from. Getting away from people, I don't think is the answer. I think it's how you hunt around the people is the way you got to look at it. Because there's no way of getting. And I even think, and from what I hear, in that thirteen thousand foot peaks of Colorado, you can't get away from people. Dude, there's people everywhere. Yeah, so crazy. I mean, that's just what I hear. But I don't know. I think what I hear. (laughs) I've never never been to Colorado. (laughs) Uh, I have. (laughs) <laughs> but, it's a blast <laughs> yeah. everybody go focus it. on Colorado and forget about any other state that we talked about <laughs> yeah exactly uh, I think that's just I think that's just the way a guy's got to look at it is just um, how am I going to hunt around these people because obviously yes. you're not going to get away from them and I think your point of where is it hard for people to get water where is it hard for people not necessarily to you can't out hike them, but are they going to be effective when they get there? Um, because of the terrain you've had to go through, are they overlooking this little pocket that borders private? Like that's the kind of stuff that you really, really need to hone in on and then have five of those plans, you know, that you can drive to and be mobile getting, getting back to that. So yeah, you found this pocket here. You found this pocket here. You found this rough terrain here. Well, maybe that rough terrain is the second one on your list. And this pocket is the first one on your list because you think you can get it done with nobody being there. I mean, 
that's that's kind of how I go about it. I'm I'm very mobile and um, very open minded. I don't get too frustrated on if there are people here. That's the biggest thing too is just keep a good mindset. Like yeah. Have confidence that you're a better hunter. <laughs> like those guys. Yeah, and not they're... even that. Like, I, I, I do agree with you. Yes. I mean, you walk in there and you're like, hey, I know I can handle what I can handle, right? But, yeah, exactly. But at the same point, you see you see somebody else and they're headed into a drainage um, or just a finger in the Badlands. It's more of a finger than a drainage. I guess it's both. But you watched him go in there and – if it was a drainage you're going to hunt, rather than being upset about it, watch what they do and mm-hmm. watch for deer taking the escape route because mm-hmm. you can learn something from these people. If they just walk straight down the middle of the bottom, walk out the end, and then they're done, I would imagine there's still a mature deer in that drainage. As crazy Absolutely. as it sounds, and you've seen it, Sam. Lots of people probably have. As crazy as that sounds, um, there could be a mature deer still in that drainage. Even a mature doe, like they're not dumb. They'll just sit there and watch, you know. Um, but on the flip side, if you're sitting there and you're about ready to glass a drainage, and somebody walks up on you and they want to glass with you, that's a little different. You know, um, now with, if a scenario like that happens, I would say, just be the bigger person, say, introduce yourself, you know, cause that, that can be a very frustrating experience. Um, you could want to choke them and kill them and hide them in the bottom of the drainage. <laughs> um, but as, as good people listening to this podcast, you're not going to do that. Uh, you're going <laughs> to, <laughs> you're going to talk to them, chat with them and, as crazy as this might sound at that moment when you just want to kill them, <laughs> uh, 15, 20, 30, 45 minutes into that, they might all of a sudden become somebody that you could hunt with for the rest of your life because they sat down and they were going to hunt the same way you're going to hunt. And if that's about to happen, chances are they view this drainage the same way that you view it. And they did the research that you did in order to view it that way. And that's, that's something that's hard to find. Yeah, that um, says something. You it know, says something that, that says something. So just learn from all the experiences. I mean, you watch people do, dude, I have, I have seen some stuff. You'll watch people do crazy things. And it is, I, I have been the person that has gotten all worked up about it. And I've been the person that didn't care about all of it. And I promise you the person that didn't care was in a much better mood. <laughs> Totally, totally. I've been right there with you. I've seen, yeah. I've been right there too, where I've gotten really worked up, and I've then I've been the guy that's chilled out and moved on, and it's actually worked out better for me. Yep, yep, for sure, man. Well, I can't thank you enough for hopping on the podcast. I I, I look forward to having you back on again because this was an absolute blast, just BSing with you and talking about some really great information. So well, thanks for having me, dude. That was that was that went quick and easy. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, we've been podcasting for almost fifty-one minutes. <laughs> That's awesome. No, it was. I really. I can talk it all day. Just. <laughs> I, I love. I love talking hunting. So perfect. Anytime. Man. Hell yeah.